0: My name is Océane. I come from Martinia, and you are listening to Radio Karam.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest is Jim White. He's an author, coach, podcaster, and founder of the Family Enrichment Academy. He has spent the last 40 years studying the topics of personal development, marriage, and parenting. More importantly, he's also spent the last 40 years applying these lessons as a father to six and a grandfather to 12. So, wow. Let's welcome Jim White to the podcast. Hi, Jim White. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, hello there. Pleasure to be here.
1: Oh no, pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have you. Now look, 40 years doing personal development you've been married 40 years which is like you need a medal for that um and um parenting these six children and 12 grandchildren like wow tell us a little bit about you and your journey
2: so a little bit of the background yeah be happy to um so as you mentioned i've been married for 40 years um and i've also had A really strong passion and interest in personal development, marriage, parenting, family enrichment, all those different topics. Um, But as you mentioned, more importantly, I spent those 40 years just living my life and applying the lessons learned as a husband and a father to six children. And actually, there's a little bit of an update. We now have 13 grandchildren. We had one a couple of months ago, (laughs) since I've probably written that. So (laughs) we've got one more. So we're up to, to 13 grandchildren. Um, And actually I like to to describe my journey is uh, I use the analogy of a hero's two journeys. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but I'll give you a a quick overview uh, for your audience. So, The Hero's Two Journeys is actually a storytelling technique that's used a lot in books and movies. And the premise is that the main character, the hero within the story, has two different journeys that they're on. The first one is what's known as the journey of accomplishment. If you think about a great movie, you know, there's always a goal they're trying to accomplish or some task that they're trying to get to. It's an outside goal. And that's the first journey. And, you know, as they go through pursuit of that, they run into obstacles and issues along the way. And that makes for an interesting story. But what makes the story compelling and the hero compelling is the second journey. And that's that's known as the journey of fulfillment. And what's happening is as that hero is pursuing that goal, they're also going through an internal transformation. Mm-hmm. They're discovering new things about themselves and kind of becoming a better person, if you will, and, and new principles and values and beliefs that just make their life work better. So how this connects to me, as you can imagine, 40 years, six kids – there was a lot of outside accomplishments that had to be t- taken care of, right? Oh we had places God. to go, homework to help with, you know, yeah. food to cook. There was just, there was a lot of Money stuff Money to earn to, do. to keep
1: the six yeah. kids in like, in all the clothes and everything they needed. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And and then we had a lot of obstacles as well, just like any other person or any other parent would have. I mean, we dealt with everything from, you know, lost homework assignments to uh, one of our children struggling with like a learning disability. Yeah. Um, you know, everything from a, you know, scratch knee or a bruise on the arm to one of our children struggling with drugs and alcohol. Um, And then, as you can imagine, being married 40 years, um, you know, we had our share of sunny days, but we also had a lot of cloudy days as well. I mean, we went through difficult times. Um, And so but interestingly, as I was doing all the stuff that a father of six children does, um, you know, going through that outside journey, I was also experiencing this amazing internal transformation as well. And it was through my interest and passion for personal development, marriage and parenting. You know, I was discovering the um, principles, values and beliefs that just made our family work better and. Over time, I mean, we we didn't always look like the perfect family. No family does. I don't think we, any. Yeah. I, gonna say,
1: yeah, I was going to say I don't exactly. think any family does. It's a, it's exactly. it's a journey, isn't it? Basically, it is
2: a journey, which is part of why I like using this analogy. You know, you're on this journey, and. You know, we, we, we get knocked a little off our game, if you will. The, the, um, one of the things is I now know how to bring us back. And so there's this process and, you know, it's just, it's 40 years of wisdom, if you will. And so where I find myself now, our youngest child is now 21. She's off in college. And, um, I'm just being called to share the wisdom gained over these 40 years. And so I formed the Family Enrichment Academy. It's a uh, is a vehicle to do that. Um, I've put together, I have a book now. It's called How to Be the Parent That Your Teenager Needs You to Be. Um, so that's been published. And I do one-on-one coaching. I do workshops. And it's just, again, it's all about supporting Parents as they move along their journey, and I actually like to use that analogy with with parents as well. I say, you know, you're the hero in your family, mm. and you're going along these two journeys as well. You have a lot of stuff to do, but there's a tremendous opportunity f- for personal growth as well in your role as a parent. So, anyway, that's the the forty year journey of how I got here.
1: No, um, it, it's interesting that you say to parents, you're the hero in your family, because because at the end of the day you are like it's such it's such a so true um although we don't feel like we are the heroes at times well i mean i'm and i must admit in the last few weeks i haven't really felt like a hero (laughs) i've just felt exhausted but um (laughs) but it is because that's what your kids look up to right and at the end of the day absolutely and there have been times in the last couple of weeks where i've looked in the mirror and gone do you know what you're awesome you're a single mum, holding down a full-time job, running a podcast, right. doing all the things that I need to do for my son, like running around to all the things that he has to go to, like his baseball right, and right. all of those things to keep him happy and exercised and healthy um, and looking at healthy ways of, for us to eat and, you know, like be healthy and stuff like that and getting ready for Christmas and like there's a big, massive, long list, right? And <laughs> yes. and I sat there the other day and I went, "Why? do you know what? You're doing an awesome job. And I don't right. think we sit and pat ourselves on the back sometimes and go, yeah. well, well done, a- Jesus.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so, and you are the hero. And it's interesting a lot to, with teenagers, because a lot of the work I do is around parents with teenagers. Sometimes they feel like their teenager doesn't. Like them even anymore. Sometimes the teen will even say things that they feel disconnected. But I'd like to remind parents that even though they may say that, you still are the hero in their life. You still are the most important person, and that's the most important relationship in their life, even though they may not act like it all the time. Yeah. And so, again, I, I I really love using that analogy of being the hero in your family. And part of it is taking a stand. Um, a lot of what I talk to families about. Is the idea of taking a stand for love and being love based within your family. And it's up to the parent to do that and to Mm. take that stand. And that's part of being the hero within your family.
1: Yeah. And a fantastic friend of mine, um, turned around and said, um, to his sons, become your parent first and your friend second. Like, you know, it's it's like you've got to, when you say take a stand, I think, I think it's right that we've got to, as a good parent, and it, we could be the evil parent at times in our kids' eyes, because we are say, we are putting boundaries around, and we're trying to keep them safe. We're trying to do things that um, do give them safe, do enable them to make choices. I'm a, a, like I, when you say about teens hating you, like I've got a seven year old, right, and there are times where I think, God, he really does. Just- Really hates me. Or he even says, <laughs> "I hate you, mum," which I'm sure sh- right. you know. I'm know he doesn't mean right, but there are times where I stand there and I think in my head, yeah, at this this point in time, yeah, I'm not actually particularly liking you either. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, it's difficult because, and I'm finding at the moment, it's difficult because he's seven and he's wanting his freedoms, so he's wanting to go up the road to see right. his mate, um, and me as a mum's going, oh, "I don't really want you to just go." And it's not that far but i don't really want you to go up there what about if he gets knocked off his bike what about if he gets taken by somebody but it's about actually going okay the chances of that happening are not very high and and letting him do that because he's he's wanting his own independence at this point so that's what right. i'm finding yeah. difficult and
2: actually that. Yeah. And and you're pointing to, uh, again, one of the most common f- themes that I talk with, with parents, with teenagers, and you're kind of starting into it. You know, when your children are young, like your seven-year-old, the parent tends to control the environment, if you will. You make the decision, you decide when, where, who they see, all that sort of thing. But as they move into those teen years, There's this natural transition that needs to happen to where some of that control gets handed over to the child. And in the shift that that happens is, you know, and, and actually that's a lot of the conflict that comes with teenagers is the parent continues to try to control everything and the teen is looking for their independence they're wanting to sort of um, you know exp- it's it's their you know they start to feel like well it's my life I'm old enough to make these decisions I can do this and it's that conflict between the parent letting go a little bit and giving up some of that control and then the teen taking mm-hmm. that over and what i find a lot of times with parents is they they hesitate Giving up that control because they're not sure what to do as an alternative. You know, they just don't want to go hands off. Okay, I'm just letting you go. And that's where I like to introduce the idea of empowerment. That's the alternative. You let go, you know, slowly shift that control to the teen or to your child. And take on the role of empowering them to make good decisions, empowering them to be responsible, empowering them to to manage their life a little bit. And again, it's a continuum. You know, when they're eight years old or seven, like your son, you're going to control 95 percent of it and you turn over 5 percent. Right. When they're 12, though, you might turn over 25 percent. And give and keep seventy five percent that you control, but by the time they're sixteen, it's got to be you know the flip of that. You know, the the teen maybe should have twenty five percent. I mean, seventy five percent you controlled, twenty five at that point. So it's this continuing a continuum, and it's a balance that the parents has to work on as they move through those years. Okay how much control Well, to do my mind, it's about
1: building trust, right? So if I trust him that he's going directly up the road and he, you know, he's telling me where he's going and he's going to be back at such and such a time, it's about building that trust, right? If he destroys that trust, right, right. by lying to me, um, then, well, he just doesn't get to do it. It's straightforward.
2: Right. And so, and, it, and it's interesting because that's a, a great point and what I encourage parents I always encourage them, You know, like your example of the child wanting to ride their bike to the neighbor's house, um, I always encourage them to say rather than a hard no, because if you just say no, they feel like I'll yes. never be able to do it, is is to shift from, well… Today it's a no, but here's what we need to do to get us to a position to where I will feel comfortable with you doing this. We have to build some trust that you can be, that I trust you can be responsible or I trust you can make good decisions. So what can we do over the next month to have you demonstrate that to me and help me to be comfortable? And so you, you replace the hard no with a plan for bridging the gap. And whether it's riding the bike to the neighbor or that teenager wanting to take the car on Saturday night, it's the same issue. You know, at at the beginning, the parent's going to say no. And if it's just a hard no, it turns into a conflict. You know, it's a a not now, but here's what we got to do to get to where you, I want you to be able to do that. That's the other thing. If you approach it this way, you communicate to the teen, I know you can do this eventually and I want you to be able to, it's like you're on their side, but I'm not ready for that yet. Here we gotta bridge yeah. this gap.
1: How are we yeah, Work l- together how to come are up we with the plan. gonna do it?
2: How can we because that it?
1: way you're empowering exactly. them to come up with the solution to that problem of them wanting Absolutely. to take the car? I haven't even thought about that yet. Right. I haven't even thought about the borrowing of the car <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And I know you're at that stage, but like I'm just yeah, haven't even gone there. Um but it's true yeah, yeah. but it's true. It's it's then how do we work it out? And I, I do know there are times and me and my son are very similar people, extremely similar people, um, and there are times where we butt heads and we'll go for two or three days where we just say each other, like, ah. Uh, and in the end, I'm going, yeah. I, and I we had one of those moments um, a few days ago, and I'm like, buddy, we can't do this. We've got to work together, right, because this is not working in our household. We need to work together, right, sit him down right. and go, What do we need to do to make my life easier and your life easier? And then it's sort of, you know, I said, what do you like? What do you like about what we're doing and what don't you like? And let's try and change the I don't like this to a I like this.
2: But that, you know, that's, you're stepping into that empowerment role is how can you engage with them? And that's the the beginnings. And you as you move into and through those teen years, you just need to continue down that path. Um, and, you, and I think it's awesome that you're starting at seven and you can. And, it, you know, if I work with somebody who, they got a teenager, maybe they have younger children, it's, you know, start working this direction when they're young um, and empower them to take some control and ownership in their life, um, because that's going to pay huge, dividends down the road um if you can start to do that i'm curious i have to ask when you say you had a little you've had a little bit of issue is it a conflict around control was that i'm just curious. Uh, more,
1: more than likely it's <laughs> frustrating sometimes i'm frustrated with him because and look he's seven right right so, so it like he's seven um but I do sit there and and I'm not sure if it's the difference between girls and boys, but I do sit and I go sometimes when I'm doing stuff, I go, I shouldn't be doing this for him. He needs to be more independent. I've and and I'm listening to different books at the moment, Maggie right. Dent being one of them, God love her. And um it's around the fact that mothers tend to mother their sons. Right. And I'm very cognizant that he doesn't have his dad around so with fathers fathers tend to be a little bit more harsher a bit more harder on their kids i'm very conscious of not wanting to mother him right to do everything for him because i know i'm going to be making a rod for whoever he's going (laughs) to spend his life with by like if his expectation is well this is the role that a woman has then i'm going well no 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 that's not the case right you need to pull your own way this is a partnership and that's why i try and Make this house a partnership and not, you know, me and him working together at the house, uh, on the house, in the house, um, so that he's not just expecting things to be done, you know, like for him. Um, so it is, it's a Mm frustrating. And he, and he's seven. So he's like, go and get me a drink, go and get me this, go and do this. Mom, I need a blanket. Mom, I need this. And I'm like, buddy. Go get your own stuff, right? So,
2: um,
1: yeah. Uh, But it is, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. And it's a little bit, you know, it's it's getting, you know, a lot of times parents say they, you know, my child won't do what I want them to do. And that's a control, that's a control conversation then, too. And then there's a question, okay, how do we, again, start to shift and empower them to take responsibility, whether it's going to get a blanket or, again, doing their homework or driving the car? I mean, all of it's, it's kind of leads the same place. And the interesting thing, another, kind of key fundamental that I talk with, with parents is this distinction between being fear-based and love-based. And a lot of that control is it, it's a fear-based mindset that sort of leads to that because you're afraid they're not going to do what they're supposed to do. Or you're, you know, you, you, you're trying to control or it's not, you know, and that's fear-based when you think about it. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard to shift to that love-based mindset because you know, what a parent will say is, well, then they just won't do it. And from a love-based mindset, you know, they're going to be okay if they if they don't do it. And if they get upset about it, they're going to be okay. You know, you you have some compassion for them, but you don't get caught up in that emotion, that fear-based emotion mm-hmm. or the frustration or the disappointment. You still can be compassionate and forgiving to them and let them then... You know, work through the consequence of whatever it is, whatever decision that they made. So it, it's an interesting dynamic.
1: I've already warned him that he's going to have a little bit of a wake-up call next year because when he gets home, I empty his bag, Um, I f- his school bag, sorry. So when he gets home, I empty his school bag where in the mornings I make sure that his lunch is done and I put his lunch and stuff in his school bag right so this is going to be a battle to, um when he starts school next year because um the schools break up in australia in december and then they go back uh, end of january so i've said to him buddy next year you will pack your bag in the morning so you will make sure your books are in your bag you will make sure your lunch is in your bag and if it's not in there well sorry you don't get yeah. lunch right um and you deal with the consequences and then if you go hungry if he goes hungry a day he's hungry a day he'll be all right um i'm not starving my son but you know (laughs) then the next day right he's going to remember oh i need to put lunch in here otherwise i'm not going to have lunch right Right. there's consequences to all of that right and he needs to start taking responsibility oh i sound like an evil mum but he needs to start taking responsibilities for that because you know at the moment i've had 3 years working from home so i'm so lucky
0: right
2: but yeah
1: that's, that's going to potentially change right so yeah, yeah
2: exactly and it's interesting you know that kind of whether again whether it's your your age the 7 year old or the teenager <clears throat> i always like to set some context around that because sometimes they feel like it's a punishment you know oh, no i got to do my own bag now but it's you know you set that context you know you're getting bigger You can do this. I believe in you. You can take responsibility. You know, you sort of use it as a way for them to just demonstrate that they're growing up and they like that. Then they feel like, oh, I guess, you know, I am, you know, older now and I can take care of things. And it becomes part of that conversation. You know, we talked about, you know, him being able to ride his bike to his friend's house. Well, part of how you bridge that gap is let's see if you can take care of your bag in the morning. You know, that's demonstrating that you can be responsible. That's demonstrating that you can take care of yourself and make a good decision. You know, that's how you build trust with me and show that you can do those things. So there's, you know, you sort of, the way you set that context around those kind of conversations can be very powerful as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I know that. And you're right. You're very much right. Um, I don't think I've set a context around it. I've just told him (laughs) that's what he's doing. But no, it's handy that you said that because, because exactly that, right? Exactly that. Um, Yeah, no, that's right. It's got me thinking now. There you
2: go. So
1: okay. So you wrote this book, um, "Be the Parent Your Teen Needs to Be," right? Right. What made made you write a book? Like it's (laughs) a lot of work writing a book. You know, I so.
2: It, it's interesting i um as part of my journey i'll just back up a little bit more detail about yeah. my journey um guys probably been 25 years ago now i again i was reading a lot a lot of personal development stuff and the and it's actually, I put this story in my book. I got invited to a um it's a club, if you will, that's called Toastmasters. I don't know if you guys have Toastmasters there. We
1: do. we it, it's, do.
2: It's basically it's a organization you go to, and it's a place where you can practice and develop speaking skills is the premise. You know, you give talks in front of a friendly group. They give you feedback, and it's a way to develop speaking skills. And I, As part of my process, I like to write. I decided I'm going to write my talks out word for word, basically. And what happened was I started writing on a regular basis. And I told a lot of dad stories. That was sort of that was the other thing they do with. They tell you to talk about something that's familiar. It helps you to be comfortable. So you can work on your delivery and all that sort of thing. And so I wrote a lot of dad stories and I found myself writing not only dad stories, but they were sort of like a moral to the story. They were lessons. They were part of these lessons learns that we were talking about. So anyway, I started writing quite a bit and it, it was, it's like journaling, if you will. And um, I found that I loved it. It's a great way to process information and by taking the time to sit and do it, um, I just got a lot of value at it for myself. And so I, I've kind of enjoyed the writing process. And so that's why it just made sense for me to, to step into the possibility of writing a book. So um, that's what I did. It, I enjoy the writing. And there will be more books to come. I enjoy the writing. So it's something that I will continue to do. And actually, as a little bit of a caveat, I took all of those talks that I did Twenty-five years ago, wow. and I actually self-published a book back then as well, um, using utilizing a lot of those talks also. So, anyway, it's it's a labor of love for me, and it's a great way to process and um, really be able to think through some of the uh, content and the ideas and the principles that that I'm learning as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I must admit. Um... It's one of the things I'm going to start in the new year. Not yet, but start in the new year is to get up half an hour earlier and just write for like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes or whatever, and just write down everything. Like brain dump at the beginning of the day. Right. Everything out of my brain. Um, and I want to I'm just I'm just gonna do it for a month. We'll see how we go. We'll um, see how it goes. Yeah but I wanted to do that because I think sometimes just actually being able to sit down and write it all out um, being a woman as well. We, t- I don't know about you men, but being a woman, it's, I tend to not be able to come to a solution of any of my problems or anything that I'm thinking about or making a decision on until it's out of my body. Now, whether that's right. because I've spoken it or whether that's because I've written it, um, I don't really know, but it needs to get out of my head And then i can sort it out and it's right (laughs) god love some of my male friends because i (laughs) I was in the it industry for a long time so a lot of my friends are men and i just have to stop them and go don't solve this problem it's just me getting it out of my body to solve it
2: right right to
1: talk it out right and so they know it's shut up and just sit there um god love them and not solve it so okay so let's unpack this then um be the parent your teen needs you to be so like this is about your teen needing you to To be a certain yes
2: and and then the a lot of times parents will come to me and they'll ask me what they should do right and i always and i always like to have them back up a step and say well the first question is not what should i do who do I need to be in this situation? So that's why I use that language of who do you need to be? And what I mean by that, it goes, and I mentioned that there's, all of us have these two competing mindsets that reside within us. We have a fear-based mindset and a love-based mindset. And my assertion to parents is the more you can stay grounded in that love-based mindset, the better things are going to work within your family and your relationship with your teenager or your children or your spouse or whoever. It's when you start to respond and engage out of the fear-based mindset that things tend to go south a little bit. And So
1: so fear-based is where I'm sitting there going, oh, he could get, he could get abducted if he bikes to the neighbors, or he could get run over by a car, or he could do X, Y, and Z, or they, I don't know, things like that. That's fear-based. Yes, but then explain. So let's unpack the let's unpack the love based. Then what? Give me examples of love based thinking. Then
2: so it's 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 kind of a, a principle. Like one that we'll talk a lot about is the idea of abundance versus scarcity. I don't know if you're, okay. you know, when you think about those two things, scarcity is a fear based result, if you will. You see that um, you know you're worried that there's not. That you're not going to be successful there's not enough to go around there's limited you know that's that's the limiting belief whereas love-based mindset tends to be more abundance mindset and it's you know there's a solution out there and there's abundance of opportunity if you will um what you're talking being about
1: grateful for things is it but like
2: being grateful is is love-based
1: so going i've got a house i've got you know i i you know right uh, there will be a way, if I look, what about fear-based is really like, what about if I lose my job or what about if he's not liked at right, the new school right, or what about, right. which are all things that are sort of out of your control. To well, and,
2: and we experience them all the time. Um, and that's the point is that in any given moment, you're either going to be coming from more of a fear-based mindset or a love-based mindset. And what happens is, unfortunately, our habit tends to be more fear-based. We tend to respond from the fearful mindset more as, as sort of our habit or sort of conditioned learned response. And in order to shift to, to being more love-based, we almost have to be intentional, create a pause, and say, OK, I can look at this differently, or I can make a shift here. Um, let me give you an example. And actually, this is out of the book. Um, our One of our daughters comes home from one day from school and she complains that she has a bad teacher and this happens everybody that's had a teenager is going to have this happen where they're they come home and they've got a horrible teacher right and so you can complain you can blame all of that is fear-based right you know i'm not gonna be able to get the grade i want they don't help me you know this is not going to work you know all of that is kind of a fearful mindset and as a parent we can get pulled into that, right? You can get pulled into that mindset and you can then go on the attack. You know, you go to the school and you say, you know, that teacher's awful. You need to get rid of them. I mean, you become aggressive about it too. But again, that's fear-based. You know, that idea of trying to, um, you know, earn respect as sometimes I'll hear a parent say, well, really, a lot of times that's fear-based. It's almost like you want the child to be under your control and, and and that's that's more of a fear based mindset. So, the the challenge is in that moment. Can as a parent, can you stop, create a little bit of a pause, and say, "Okay, let's shift and be more compassionate about this. Let's be forgiving." You know that teacher, and and this literally with our daughter when this happened. You know our approach was, wow. you know, somebody gets into teaching because they're inspired to teach. You know they want to do a good job which is another thing from a love-based mindset the premise is all people are fundamentally good whereas the fear-based mindset is all people are fundamentally bad and that that's a distinction in those two and so we said to our daughter you know they didn't get into this to be miserable and if they're struggling and if they're not doing well something you know, we don't know what's going on they might have health issues they might be going through a divorce they might who knows what's happening with them doesn't it make sense for us to have a little compassion for them and be a little forgiving to them and just by doing that it's interesting that it shifts the mindset which makes it easier then for us to then have the conversation about you know what this isn't the last time you're going to have an obstacle to you getting a good grade in a class let's think about how we can you know again it's an empowerment conversation what can you do how can you get past this um where are the other resources you can use and the the point is if she's frustrated mad and angry at that teacher she's not in a position to make, take that step and open up to solutions until she's let that negative energy dissipate and the way that dissipates is you got to make the move to more of a love based mindset um so it's you know it it's it's an interesting dynamic and it's some that takes a little practice and like I say you have to be intentional about it
1: and it's interesting that you got her to look at the situation that way um and come up with this you know potentially come up with the solution or whatever um and 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 also one other thing
2: sorry i was gonna say one other thing i might throw in there and this is just so powerful with anybody but especially your teenager and we did it we said how could you make a difference for them yeah. It gives them some purpose, you know, it's like you you know, you have the ability to impact other people in a positive way. This is an opportunity to do that. How do you want to step into that? And and just having that belief in yourself that I can have a positive impact to the people around me is so powerful for all of us. But, you know, think about trying to put that into a teenager. Um you know, and have them start to believe that about themselves, that puts, and then when they're out Saturday night, and somebody's trying to hand them a drink, they're the ones that say, we don't need to do that, right? Because they know they can have that, they can be the one to be the influence and the leader in that situation. So it's, it's just, it's a powerful mindset to get.
1: Yeah. And it's also then affecting and changing the things that you have, you you have control over, because let's face it, you don't have control over that teacher, that teacher may just be having a bad time, you, right. you can't control what's going on in that teacher's life, unless you're the one giving the teacher a bad time. But, like, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, if they are going through a divorce, if they've got issues with their kids, you know, or whatever, you just don't know. They could be having a hard time right. pulling together the syllabus because it's something they don't believe should be taught to children at that point in time. Who knows, right? right? It, we just don't who know. Knows? But you right. can't control any of that. because And you can't control... You can't control other people. That's the one. Thing, that's the one thing I know, right? You can't control. You just can't control them,
2: right? And that's where then you shift to empowerment. Can you empower? And that's where they're having some compassion and forgiveness for that teacher, maybe you can make a difference for them. But it's it's a different mindset, and um, yeah, and it, and it changes the. Teenagers experience as well. And it, it'll change the parents' experience. I mean, if you can make that shift, I mean, if you think about a parent getting sucked in and being frustrated, and mad and angry, that's what they are experiencing at that moment. If they can make the shift to forgiveness, compassion, or gratitude, all of a sudden they have a completely different experience for themselves. And what happens is you act differently. That's the you know, the second huge part of this is. When I am coming from a place of gratitude, compassion, and forgiveness, let's say, I see different solutions, and I'm going to act differently according according to what I see, as opposed to if I'm frustrated, angry, and disappointed or whatever. I see a different set of solutions, and part of my argument with parents or my assertion with them is that whenever you respond from a fearful perspective – it always is damages relationships and is a source of pain wow. every time. Wow. I and mean, if you can respond from a love-based mindset, it always heals. Love has healing attributes. It's going to heal the relationship and it's a source of purpose and joy. And it's the question is which one do you want?
1: And yeah. but you have
2: to make that choice then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. What um what about if your teenager guys, oh, I don't like <laughs> I know we're going on to this needs thing, but what about if your teen is like, well, I don't need you. I don't like, I just don't need you in my life, really. Thanks, mum and dad, for bringing me up to this point, but don't need you. Um, they just want to go in their bedroom and be left alone, right? So yeah. <laughs> that's not really, so if you leave them alone, right, that's not really being, uh, to my mind, and I don't know if I'm right here, but that's not really being the parent that they need right. you to be as such. Um, right. What do you do?
2: Nine times out of 10, these
1: teenagers are grumpy, moody, lots of hormones going on, admittedly. Yeah. But grumpy, moody. And we all,
2: yeah, we all go through that. But a couple of things I would throw out here. And it's the first is uh, one of the um, sort of rules to live by that I throw out to parents is that all of your child's bad or unwanted behavior which in this case is saying i don't want you around i'm going to you know stay out of my life all of that is a call to reconnect and extend love to them wow. and they wouldn't be doing that if they didn't feel isolated is the flip of that and so again it shifts the parent's perspective because a lot of times when that happens with a parent they'll get mad about it right they'll get upset or frustrated Right, where I'm saying, No, have compassion, you know, view that as a call for love, which means I need to have compassion, I need to forgive them. They may say things that they should never say to their parents, right? And again, we've talked about the parent being the hero in the family, the parent taking a stand for love, that means they're the first one to forgive and offer that forgiveness. And then the second fundamental that I've got like three fundamentals in the book that I talk about. And the second one is all around building connection. And so that's the place to go. If you're having that kind of scenario in your home, you, you have to be very intentional and work to build connection because that is happening because the teen feels disconnected. And
1: how do you do that? We though? all Come on, how do you do that? I'm like sitting there like, "Come on, Jim." Like if they're sitting yeah. there and they're like, "Oh, I just want to play on my computer game." "Go away. You don't understand me, my life, my computer game, everything." How do you right. how do you build that connection if how do you get in there? How do you wheedle your way yeah. in to start?
2: Yeah, it's a um every situation is different obviously and there's different dynamics. Um the first one of the the First things is to listen to them with compassion. So when they say something, a lot of times the parents' their response is going to everything. Well, any way they respond builds or damages that connection. So if they respond with a little bit of frustration, it's going to damage the connection. If they respond and say, "Okay, I can tell you're having a little bit of a tough time. I'm going to give you a little space. I'm here for you." You know, that's a step in the right direction. And if it's bad, it's not going to fix itself overnight. I mean, it didn't get there overnight. So it's going to take time. And that parent has to continue to engage with the love, you know, a love based mindset. So maybe the first step is when that happens, you give them a little space, you offer a little forgiveness, um, and you um, basically are present to them and say, I understand you're having a tough time i'm here if you if you want to talk about it that could be the first response um then the next day when they get in the car after school right and maybe there's a little bit of an opening the key is then how does the parent respond to that opening? Um, like a, a classic example I talk about, and actually I have a resource that I would offer to your uh, audience as well. It's it's asking better questions. It's kind of the premise. And so I've got this 10 questions. There's 10 questions you should never ask your teen. And then 10 great questions, you know, 10 questions to ask. And a lot of times when when parents, when we ask questions to the teenager, it feels like we're interrogating them, right? we're we're just trying to get information from them and the flip of that is to ask a process question um, what i mean by that is to ask the team what they think about something what their opinion is about something so when they take you know they had a math test today when they get in the car it's well what, did you, what grade did you get on the math test that's an interrogation you know they sometimes they feel like they have to defend themselves right you could say I'm curious. Do you feel like it was a fair math test? That's a different question, right? And it gives them a chance to share what they think about something, which it, it sort of pulls them out a little bit and allows you then to engage a little bit. And the key, then, you know, they may say a few things, and the, and what the pa- the parents sometimes will slip into is they'll slip into wanting to give their opinion and they'll want to fix something, like you talked about, you know, that fix it mode that we can fall into, where Maybe the teen says a few things. And at that moment, you could say, you know, that's a really interesting perspective. I never thought of it that way. Thanks for sharing. You leave it there, right? You've built some trust then with them that you're not going to jump down their throat, if you will, if they say something that, and they may say something, sometimes they'll say things that they know we're going to bug you just to see if they can get a response. And again, it's, you know, it's a matter of, can you accept and, and listen to that and be present to it? And allow them to have their opinion, and and again, not slip in the lecture mode or not slip in the fix it mode, because again, though, you're trying. All you're trying to do right there is build connection. Um, so th- those are some examples, you know. And so you just got to look for those, you know, those opportunities to uh, to engage.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I suppose also if there's something that's worrying them or whatever, to just say, um, is there anything I can do to help you? Is there, any, is there anything you want me to do?" And if they go, nah, it's all good, then you have to go, well, okay, that's fair enough, I'm here. but I'm here. So if there is something yep. you want me to do, and I and I must admit, I I do that even to my seven-year-old um, because I, yeah, oh, there's playground issues and stuff like that. And I'll go, so is there anything right. you want me to do? And nine times out of 10, I'll go, no. Or he might go, oh, can you speak to my teacher and ask why? or whatever right so i'm like okay
2: that's fine you 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 support and you know and a lot of times if they say no it's because they want to process it and sort it out for themselves yeah it's kind of like you just said that you for your work colleagues you have that same thing and they want the same thing and they want to be able to process and work something out for themselves and so then you you know maybe you check back in a few days say well how's it going have you worked that out You know, what's that, you know, what solution did you come with? And then you, it's a way to engage and then to celebrate them for coming up with a solution if they did, right? Oh my God, yeah. You know, and, and that's that more than empowerment mindset. And it's love based because it's it's compassionate. I talk about being curious is one. I have like nine strategies for building connection. Being curious is one of them. You know, asking those curiosity questions. You know, they say something. Um, I actually have a story in the book where I talk about my daughter. She waits tables. She waited tables in high school. And she came home one night and said, you know, people can be so difficult sometimes. You know, and I, I could have left that, but the, the curiosity question was, what do you mean when you say difficult? And that allowed her then to step into it and open up and talk. And and again, the key, though, is when she's doing that, it's not up to me to fix problems. It's not up for me to solve anything. She's just, it's kind of like you, you know, she's just sort of dumping information at that point. And it, the key... It builds connection. When you do that, you're building connection. They feel like there's a safe place they can go and let some of that stuff out. And that's the first step is building connection. If it's a I might share another strategy that's interesting, especially if somebody's struggling with a teen. Teenagers, as you know, on the weekends especially tend to stay up late and late at night. There's all kinds of evidence that supports this. They will let their guard down a little bit more. And actually, I read this in a book. It's yeah. And so, and, you know, it's an interesting thing. You know, the idea is that, you know, next Friday night, if you're having trouble connecting a little bit with your teen, um, go to bed your normal time, but set your alarm for like 1 a.m. And get up at 1 a.m., you know, wander into, you know, wherever downstairs or wherever they are. I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm going to make a snack. You want one, you know, in just a little bit and then just sit with them and let and see if they start to talk. Because a lot of times, again, late at night, their guards will be down a little bit more and they will say something. And again, if they like what I mentioned, where my daughter said people can be so difficult, they may make a little statement, ask a curiosity question. What do you mean when you said that? and then just let them talk. And again, it's, it's the purpose of building connection is what you're really after. So that's um, a little bit of a a way to get in there and do that because late at night, that that tends to happen or can happen more frequently.
1: Yeah, and I suppose it's about shutting up. Like as a parent, staying quiet. Don't say and just being, just listen.
2: Yeah, it being present. Because yeah. f- that that first priority is to build a connection. And and a lot of times parents will say, but I need you know I want to influence them or empower them. And I always point out that you can't influence them or empower them unless that connection is really solid. they the prerequisite to the empowerment is connection. And so you got to build the connection first. If you jump in too early with the empowerment or the influence or advice, especially advice, before and that connection is not strong enough, they're just going to shut you out and not listen anyway which happens a lot. And so that the first step is to build and develop the connection, build the trust. That's in effect, what you're doing is you're building trust with them, right? You have to be a safe place and home should feel like a safe place. When it is, then they're going to be much more open to your influence and your empowerment, if you can get there.
1: And, and I suppose it's not actually judging. It's not judging them either, right? Um <sighs> and it's and it's a diff- and it's a difficult one because you want you want your child to be thought of favorably and all of those things but it's not actually judging their opinion as such but trying to influ- influence them surreptitiously um because you don't want to belittle them for their right. opinion or their views or whatever because and let's and let's face it there have been some views that i've heard in like um from teenagers that I've gone oh my god you just don't know anything you haven't lived life yet but that's okay right but there's not but there's no there's no point me going oh you just don't know just don't know anything right because at the end of the day that's important to them at their age right right? but you know if you've been there seen it done it got the t-shirt like probably you and I have done Jim you go well that ain't going to work out like that but There's a, in a way, you've got to let them learn that.
2: Right, you? right. There's this idea of this uh, process of experiential learning. If you've heard that term before, and again for your audience, if they maybe haven't heard it, and that is the idea that learn in order to learn something fully, I have to experience it for myself. Um, I like to use the analogy of learning to ride a bike. I mean, you can sit in a classroom and study how to ride a bike and be able to pass a written test on how to ride a bike. And you won't be able to ride it. The only way you learn to ride it is you got to get on it and start pedaling. Right. And, you know, this comes up, you know, a classic example is a um, a parent will come and say, my son or daughter has a boyfriend or girlfriend. That's not good for them. And the parent sees it. Right. And they feel like this is not a good scenario but that's an example of experiential learning. If you can provide a safe, you know, that's another reason why that safe home that's love based is so critical is because it creates a point of reference for your son or daughter. And if they know what love feels like and they know and they have an experience of that at home, when they're out in that relationship with that new boyfriend or girlfriend, and if something's not going Right. They may not be able to put it into words, but they know this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like love. This doesn't feel like kindness to me. And they will go through the process of making the decision that this is not a good relationship on their own. And that is so much more valuable than the parent saying, I forbid you from seeing that person. Right, because that's what can happen sometimes. So,
1: Well, I, I, but also, like, you've got to remember, like, at the end of the day, if somebody turned around to you, Jim, or myself and went, well, you're not doing that, we're not going to let you do that, right? Like, I yeah. would be going, well, I am going to do it, right? And then you fight back even more. Right. And, and you just fight the situation, right? And instead of actually going, okay, this isn't good for me or healthy or whatever, right? Right. You're just going to... You're just going to go. Well, I don't care what you say. <laughs> right,
2: and it's that that shift um, from empowerment or from control to empowerment. You're trying to control, yeah. and but you need to empower. And so the empowerment approach, when you when that's happening, you might say to the son or daughter, you know, what in your mind? How would you describe a really good relationship? Let them tell you, and let them process that a little bit. Um, what does what do they do that makes you feel good? What do they do that makes you feel bad? And again, you're not telling them what's right or wrong. You're just, you're prompting and you're at, you're helping them to think through the process and evaluate, but they have to come to their own conclusion. That's part of the empowerment approach. Um, and it's experiential learning that, that gives them experience. That's going to be really valuable to them when they're 22 or 25 or 30 or whatever. Um, you know, part of that process that they go through becomes who they are and it's that learning that they need to go through
1: yeah because let's face it when they get to those ages you don't really well you have influence over them but they're on their own then yeah really they're out to work yeah they might have their own house boyfriend girlfriend whatever right but they ain't nine times out of ten living with you right um yeah, and
2: that's the end goal. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Is we're trying it to launch, we're trying to launch them into their adult life um, in a way that they're going to be able to be successful. And that word success can be a little misleading because sometimes people think, "Oh, it means they got to have a good job and make money and all." Really, what when parents peel it back, you want them to be happy. You want them to experience joy and purpose in their life, and that's really what they want. And I would assert that the foundation for that is a love-based mindset. That's what's going to provide joy. That's what's going to provide purpose. And so the biggest gift you can give your child is for them to learn to engage with the world from a love-based mindset. And you can empower them to do that. You can set the example and model what it looks like to do that. And and the, the more grounded they are in it, the better off they're gonna be and the more successful from the standpoint of being able to experience purpose and joy in their life.
1: Should we be setting boundaries for these kids though, these teenagers, or should we just be letting them go though? Because-
2: Yeah, it's it's teen by teen and, and, and you do set boundaries. I mean, and I think in some cases you have to, and there needs to be consequences, but again, Part of the, especially with a teenager, you know, sometimes parents will say, well, if if I just let them go, that's not right either. And the answer is, yeah, that's not right. But when there's a boundary that I can have a boundary and still be love-based, and when I'm love-based, I'm compassionate to them. There's a difference between saying you can't go Saturday night and don't you even think about saying anything mean to me about, you know, kind of being stern or strict with them. And, and saying, you know, you can't go Saturday night. And I know that you really wanted to, and it's probably frustrating for you, and I feel for you, you know, that it's coming from a different place. You know, you still have the boundary. They still aren't able to do whatever the whatever it was, but you can come from a place of, combash, of compassion. And then back to what I said early on, the question is how do we bridge the gap so you can go next time? What's missing today? What, what is it that's – Making me uncomfortable or making the situation where we have to have this boundary, how can we bridge the gap? You have to create some hope out of it. And again, that's a love based position' is let's it's not just a hard no. Let's have some hope. I'm here. I'm on your side. We want to get you there. um I'm I understand you're frustrated right now. i you know I have compassion for that. and let's work through that and then see if we can find a way to bridge the gap and get to where you want to be
1: but if they're a teen and they just go oh sod you i don't care and they just go then how do you then enforce that
2: because so you're saying so let's say you say something yeah, they break that's the rule, it,
1: breaking the rules
2: is what you're saying um there's a couple things here first of all some things will have natural consequences for example you know, they break a rule at school, you know, they may get kicked out of school. They may get an F on their report. I mean, there's going to be natural consequences to that. And so you just need to let those play out. And again, be compassionate for them. But it's still, it's their deal, right? I'll give you an example, a big, kind of a big one that happened for us. Um, One of my sons, he's 17 years old, newly driver, him and a buddy are out. They're in two different cars. They decide they're going to drag race oh God. down the street.
1: The Obaka.
2: And un- uh, unbeknownst to them, there was a police officer in an unmarked car right behind them. They both get cited for reckless driving. Point being, you know, my son gets home. And I said, man, that's, you know, that's a bummer. And the question is, how are you going to pay for the attorney that you're going to have to get? You know that's a constant. I'm not paying for it. It's your choice, right? And and I can have that conversation with still compassion and knowing that it's a it's hard for him. How's he going to come up with a thousand bucks, right? And I can empower him and support him and help him to work through that, come up with a solution. And again, always have compassion and be you know, but it's without it being like you're an idiot and you should have never done that. You know that communicates a message that. You're no good, as opposed to saying, well, you know, you made a bad choice, but you're a good kid. You can solve this problem and work, you know, and be able to be resourceful enough to do that and and work through that natural consequence that you created for yourself. So that's one thing is let those natural consequences play out. The other, if there's not a natural consequence, the there is, but it's sometimes parents don't think about it. The biggest thing that happens when they break a rule at home, for example, is they break your trust or they've broken trust with you as a parent. And if you continue to communicate them that, hey, I want to turn over more responsibility to you. I want you to have more freedom. I want you to be able to do things you want to do. But in order to do that, I have to be able to trust that you're ready for that. And so anytime they do something that breaks the trust, you can always point back to that and say, well... You know, that kind of broke some trust. So that's the consequence. We're going to have to rebuild again. You know, that you were getting really close to being able to ride your bike to your buddy's house. But now it may take another couple of months because we got to rebuild trust because you broke a rule. So, you know, it, it's a matter of having. And again, but you do it from a compassionate place and a belief that they're a good person. They can figure it out. They You can do this. But it's up to you to do it.
1: Well, at the end of the day, they are. They're kids at the end of the day. They need to make mistakes to learn from them. Um, And it's about us not being there to pick up the – well, us to be there to support them, but maybe not to foot the bills and pick up the pieces that way and to actually get them to understand that there are consequences to their actions. And, you know, we're not going to be – We'll we'll support them, but we're not gonna be there to, you know, pay for the attorneys, pay for the fines, you know, ride them everywhere because right. they've been banned for six months and can't like and can't drive a car or whatever. Right. Do you know what I mean? You right. just gotta go, right. Well, how are you going how are you gonna get to work then? That'll be the bus.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah, or ride a bike or something, and it's it's interesting. What happens is sometimes inadvertently, and again, it's not necessarily always. Well, it's not on purpose, but sometimes parents will communicate to the child that they're not capable. They'll go in and rescue them, and when you do that, you're just telling them you can't handle this on your own, right? And then the other thing that they'll communicate is that you know you're you're no good. You, you can't do it. And that's kind of what you're communicating there. And so my point is we want to communicate that they are good. They are capable. And, and in effect, what happens is they start to become more resourceful. You know, they develop the skill of being resourceful. And that one skill can be huge for them through their whole life is if they learn how to be resourceful. And the other thing that they develop is the ability to be resilient. I love those two words, to be resourceful or and resilient. And that's so much more beneficial for your child to develop that um, if they can't, you know, that's going to serve them for the rest of their and life. And look, I,
1: uh, yeah, I agree with you, right? At the end of the day, to survive the world out there, you've got to be resourceful and resilient. Resilient, where the, you right. know, As an adult, that's how we get by, right? There's things that crop up in all right. our lives, and it's about right. how we deal with those um, and go forward. So look, Jim… Where do people get in touch with you if they want to look at the 10 questions that you shouldn't ask your kids and 10 that you should and and just find out more about this Family Enrichment Academy and your book and things like that?
2: So the uh, familyenrichmentacademy.com is the website. And right on the home page, there's a place where they can request the ten questions that you mentioned, um, the ten questions you should never ask, and the ten that you can. So it's familyenrichmentacademy.com, and then um, there they can learn about the coaching programs as well. Um, I've got a link to the book. The book's on Amazon, um, but I've got a link to the book in on the website as well on the coaching page. Um, so that's, but the best place to go is just go familyenrichmentacademy.com. And they can learn all about the work that we're doing. And I would point out too, like what you're doing, um, I create content on a regular basis um, so
1: you're a podcaster well,
2: and I do YouTube stuff and I write, I I like to write, remember, so I do written posts on a blog on a weekly basis as well. So, um, you know, there, those are resources that are there for your audience. Um, never know. I might hit on a question or an issue or topic that, um, might be dealing with it. Some, exactly. You know, so,
0: exactly, be sure
2: to check those out as well. No,
1: exactly. Okay. Thanks, Jim. That, no, that's awesome. Look, I have one final question for you. Um, it's been really interesting talking about teens and I'm nowhere near the teen world as such, yeah. although it feels like it at times with some of the comments my son comes out with. Um, right. and I think teenager, we think about, we think about a teenager as being in their teens. So 13, 14, et cetera. I think teenagers are getting younger and younger. I think a teenager Absolutely. nowadays is like 11, 10
2: absolutely crazy and there used to be this distinction of like preteens that were like the 11 12 year olds but all of it has been pulled down the age if you will Um, they're exposed they see a lot more than we did there are certainly than i did when i was a a a teenager and you're absolutely right that you are right on the cusp of it even at seven or eight you know by the time they're 10 um, they are experiencing a lot of the Issues that we didn't think of till we were 13 or 14 back in my day. So it, it certainly happens younger. My
1: son's seven and he said, Oh, you can get pregnant from kissing a girl. A girl can get pregnant from kissing a boy, right? And I'm <laughs> like, Crikey, I haven't heard that one for a long time. So, you know, yeah. there's I and I'm going, Well, you're seven. Why would you even worry about that at the moment? But um, hey-ho, this stuff they talk about in the school playground. Um right. so look, my final question to you is um and it can't be your own book we've plugged this already but like if there was a book you could suggest to my listeners what would it be and why
2: so a book that would be good for your listeners um there's a couple of them actually i was going to grab one um well we talked about love la- love languages is an oh, interesting one. Yeah. there's the the five love languages that's a great kind of a way to start to get your mind around trying to be more love based. yeah um, so that's one that I I've would read that um, one. It's would throw very out very
1: interesting because you start to think about yeah. what love languages are the pe- the people in your life have. So it's very, very interesting
2: R- right. And then there's um there's a lot of bu- and the, uh, there's books around love and logic which is another great, um, um, and there's a whole series of uh, kind of books around that topic. If you type in love and logic and and parenting into the uh, Google search, you'll find some information on that as well. So those, I think they would find, um, you know, some, some thoughts in that, those as well. Anything on building connection? you know again you can go and search um you know around building connection as well if you can find because again that's such a critical component yes i um, i was gonna say There's actually a um there's one uh I'm trying to think of the name of it. it's aha parenting it's a h a like aha like a, a it's aha. like having an aha moment <laughs> an aha moment kind yeah. of a thing um and there's it's aha parenting and she does a lot of great work oh, as well wow. okay. in this space um so those would be ones i would Look, throw out
1: thank god for you guys that's all i can say because i think when my mum was bringing us kids up uh, my mum and dad were bringing us kids up there wasn't we just didn't have all of these you know areas and people like yourself to actually you know link in with and go oh god how do i deal with yeah you know teenage claire because let's face it yeah. i was a handful um but you know, it's it's not rocket science in, at the end of the day. But it is t- treating them like their own little human beings, which they are. And they're disconnecting from you, as in you, the parent. They're finding their own way in the world. Right. You don't developing their yeah.
2: own voice. Opening yeah, their wings exactly. and
1: flying, as it were, leaving yeah, exactly. the nest, which is scary. <laughs> um, and I think it that's is. and I think that's another thing as well for parents. It's it's scary you're not needed anymore thanks but no thanks see ya
2: and that's the fear based yeah. right we, and it's a matter of can you stay love based in that scenario where you know they're now off on their own and they don't they don't need and what happens and we're there the relationship changes and that's what i would throw out it's not that you aren't needed anymore but it's you know there still is you will always be the parent and it's just the relationship evolves. And if you can stay love based, you can keep that connection there. And, um, it's really, it can be awesome. It, you know, having the adult child is, is an awesome place to be as well. Um, but you just gotta, you know, you gotta, it's different than yeah. when they're in your home <laughs> and you gotta be willing to step into that, yeah. which actually one thing I would leave your listeners with, if, if you ask me, you know, what's the, the biggest thing you can do? It goes back to that hero's journey: is to adopt a growth mindset. This is going to be a journey, and every day is a new day. And in order, you know, to really, if you want to maximize it, you have to have a growth mindset and be willing to grow and learn and develop as you move through throughout this journey. Never stop learning. That's the key.
1: Never stop. Yeah, you never stop learning. No, look, thank you. I I think that's an awesome place to finish on like it is you're right never stop learning always keep growing um
2: absolutely you know
1: you and I are definitely not in our 20s and we're still learning as I still throwing (laughs) things at us and we're still learning so and look I started a podcast two years ago like am I nuts um (laughs) yeah no it's all good it's all good Jim, look, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And um, yeah, I wish you a great evening because it's evening where you are.
2: That's right. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember no one is perfect we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the strong single and human podcast
2: Hi, this is Matt Gao, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam. Tune in.
0: Called T.A.D to remodel my place Said I wanted it to be that kind of place Knee deep in the reno, sinking in our fights Other shonky builders waking me up at night And Adam plays the boss man He listens to the customer Don't you remember? He built this kitchen He built this kitchen with T.A.D. We built this kitchen We built this kitchen with T.A.D. We built this kitchen We built this kitchen with T.A.D.